to America's Hot Gossip, Episode 3. My name is Will. And I'm Caitlin. And today we wanted to talk about the Supreme Court. Uh, but real quick, I just wanted to give like a real brief synopsis of how we got into this um, bizarre situation with the Supreme Court. Uh, so back during Obama's term, um, he was going to nominate a Supreme Court justice, uh, Merrick Garland, to the court. Uh, Mitch McConnell pulled some unprecedented maneuvers to block that. Um, and then there were a number of very uh, fortuitous factors for the Republicans, uh, like RBG staying on the court, not retiring, and then dying, um, Scalia dying, um, that sort of stuff. Uh, that he was able to get, Trump was able to get three justices appointed during his term. So now the Supreme Court has a 6-3 conservative majority, um, which really leaves the Democrats without much power to do anything. I don't understand. It feels like such a afterthought for me that there were no rules in place to kind of protect that bipartisan relationship within the Supreme Court. Like, why does there get to be a majority? Mm -hmm. I think that's a little odd to me and it just feels a little bit not thought out. Yeah, and they're supposed to be, um, you know, people say all the time they're apolitical, um, but it's hard to believe that. And I don't even think they try and pretend they're apolitical Mm -hmm. much anymore. Anyways, um, so we wanted to talk about three major rulings they've had um, this term, um, just in recent days, weeks, months. Um, The first one was uh, the 6-3 ruling, as you're going to find as a common theme, um, in the case Biden versus Nebraska, which basically struck down Biden's plan to forgive up to $20,000 of student loan debt. Uh, what was your reaction to that, Caitlin? Um, well, you know, as someone who has a little bit of skin in that game, I have my own student debt loan or loan debts. I was really disappointed by this ruling, but not surprised, to be honest. I think that it's a good solution that would have helped a lot of Americans. But at the same time, I am team um, free education for all. Um, and so I don't know how great of a long-term solution this would have been. Um, but all in all, I do think it would have been a right step in the right direction. So it's unfortunate to see that that, you know, got knocked down so so early on. Totally. Yeah. Uh, we're. I think we're on the same boat where, you know, ideally a, an education, especially like a college education, that's not even considered that advanced at this um, in this day and age, um, should not be so heavily punished at the very least, if not free. So this isn't, you know, again, like you said, the long term solution, um, but it's a, a temporary Band-Aid that was very helpful to like tens of millions of people that need it in this country. And especially during COVID, that that um, became even more important. And so, yeah, it's just disheartening to see even a, a minor a minor Band-Aid little bit of help to the average person be um, be struck down, especially when we've seen, like we talked about last week a little bit about the PPP loans, like the government forgave so much more money <laughs> um, for businesses and uh, corporations that abided by their PPP loan terms, um, which of course no one ever had a problem with that. But when it's forgiving debt for college grads, it's it's a different story for some reason. Which feels so odd to me. Like you would think that this loan that you gave out to a bunch of 17 year olds versus these like business owners would be Mm -hmm. very different. Like, obviously, I feel like the risk going into that as a person um, providing those loans would be very different. I don't know about anyone else, but I'm a little bit team 
those loans are between you and God because <laughs> I wasn't even a full-fledged adult before agreeing, <laughs> agreeing no to those. Also, if you are ever uh, struggling to make your student loan payments, highly recommend looking into an income-based repayment plan. Um, that is also a great little tool. But overall, it's just, it's, yeah, like we were saying, just really disheartening to see what I think it would have benefited so many. Yeah. And seeing... Um... Like conservative politicians really, really just openly celebrate it. First of all, I'm like, that just seems so cruel. But second of all, I'm like, does that really a winning strategy? Like, maybe I'm wrong, but I just can't imagine more than like a small minority of Americans looking at that being like, you're celebrating, you know, 24 year olds <laughs> having 20 grand more in debt. Like why? And like, it's not even <laughs> a 20 grand in debt. Those interest rates are ridiculous. True. So like, yeah, even if you're only took out 20 grand in debt, you're going to have 60,000 by the time you end up paying it off. It's just, you know, I don't know how those can be seen as given with good faith yeah. <laughs> in reality. You can't get a job without a college degree, mm-hmm. at least not one that's going to pay a great living wage. Um, I mean, just having been on the back end of some uh, hiring boards, most of the time, if you don't have a degree and it's not an entry-level position, you are not even like looked at your resume. Yeah. It doesn't really matter what your experience is, and it doesn't even matter what that degree would be in, but that education alone gets you just that much closer to being able to have a livable wage in the country. Mm-hmm. So it's either debt or you're going to be eating a lot of ramen. <laughs> yeah. The next one I wanted to talk about was uh, the overruling uh, of Grutter versus Bollinger, uh, which was a 2003 ruling that basically said colleges and universities can use race as one of many factors in admission decisions, also known as affirmative action, which again, I think is similar to the student loan debt thing in that it wasn't the ideal solution. I think it's a worthy cause, but it's more of like a short term. I mean, literally in the, in the original ruling, they said it was supposed to be time limited, um, like a temporary measure to kind of correct historical wrongs. So it was intended to be temporary, um, just like the student loan debt forgiveness, but it's very disheartening to see even just minor things that do significantly help tens of millions of people like student loan debt forgiveness, like affirmative action. You can't even have that. It makes you feel like you're never going to have any important, meaningful long-term change because you can't even, you know, make the temporary stuff stick. What was your, (laughs) what were your thoughts on that? In general, reducing the amount of information that you can take from any situation is, I I don't understand why you would want to do that, but especially when it comes to race in this country, like, I don't think anyone would agree that um, a white cisgendered male would be living the exact same experience as someone who is a woman of color, woman of color, or vice versa. Like, I just think that when taking in, when you want to look at the information of a person and you're deciding who to admit to your college, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to take in all the information and to do the opposite and actually encourage people to not do that. I just don't... The colorblind approach. Which is so ridiculous. Can sound appealing at first glance, the colorblind approach. Um, But when you look at how the system currently and, of course, for centuries um, has discriminated against certain groups, if you do a colorblind approach, things are not equal because... certain groups have been excluded and um, just don't have the the same advantage. So a colorblind approach actively favors white people. Mm -hmm. Um, Similar to how um, there is 
legacy admissions still in use, which blows my mind. I honestly would have thought that would have been illegal um, by now, but it's still in use by a ton of schools. Um, I think for for most, if not all of the Ivy League schools, their legacy admission rates are still like 10% of each class, mm-hmm. if not more. So it's significant. And of course, colleges and universities in this country um, were very active participants in discrimination and segregation throughout history. A hundred years ago, it was a lot harder to get into Harvard as a black person. I also just always like the story of my ex-boyfriend that I had the one time who didn't know what FAFSA was because his parents were paying for all of it, um, got a scholarship because his family was legacy. So, I mean, that's just an example. Like, college is so much more accessible for a person like him versus somebody who doesn't have a family or have a parent that even went to college, let alone went to the college that they're applying to, and whether or not that family has been making donations to the college. Like, there are so many more factors that give people, give white people a step up. Um, And so to pretend like that doesn't exist, it's just, and to not take that into consideration makes it an unfair playing field. And, you know, the, the court didn't completely strike down the use of affirmative action. One reason they gave in their ruling was that colleges and universities can take race into account in like the personal essay portion of students' applications. Um, they can just simply write about it instead of, you know, have it as a, a, a checkbox, basically. But I'm also thinking about the school that I went to, WSU. They don't have, they don't accept essays. So if they can't mm-hmm. take um, race, ethnicity into account, um, simply in the demographic portion, they can't do it at all because you can't write about your race to them. So again, it's just kind of like the colorblind approach seems nice, but it does favor white people uh, de facto, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I don't know, maybe 50 years down the road, I think that would be the hope that one day we could take the colorblind ap- approach, but our society is not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the third major ruling uh, we wanted to talk about was, and this one to me is the most insane, is uh, again, a 6-3 ruling in uh, 303 Creative versus Alanis or Alanis. Um, basically, um, this was about a hypothetical, and we'll talk about that, case in which um, a website designer didn't want to be forced to make a website for a gay marriage client, which to me, this seems very reminiscent of a million cases that have been before the court and have precedent already. But the court said that uh, basically this hypothetical scenario, she couldn't be compelled to make a website for this gay couple. And that's completely legal for her to discriminate in that way against these immutable characteristics. What were your thoughts on that? Oh, gosh. I I mean, yeah, like you were already saying, it's just one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard, especially over a hypothetical, um, which I would also just like to say nobody in the LGBTQI community was going to buy a website from you, honey. Their websites were awful. Awful. So bad. Um, (laughs) But even just beyond that, you know, nobody is less deserving of a wedding website, um, which I, as a wedding photographer have never seen anyone with a wedding website also. Like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm no, I know people do it, but it's just not that common. But I think that it is 
very telling um, mm-hmm. that they would say that that would be okay and what their uh, morals are yeah. surrounding the issue. And I, we've said hypothetical um, multiple times. If you, I just wanted to explain this real quick. If, if you're not uh, familiar with the details of this case, so it came out, I mean, initially the, the story that I heard was um, a website designer who makes wedding websites had a gay customer ask, can you make a website for me and my husband's wedding? She didn't want to be compelled to do so. But it turns out the man that she said was this gay client requesting a wedding was straight, according to him, and is married to a woman. Um, and also... She, I, I believe she's never made wedding websites. So like this is all completely made up scenarios, which I didn't even know as the Supreme Court, you can rule on scenarios that haven't happened. I mean, there's literally no standing as far as I can tell um, because it's a, it's a imagined reality. Mm-hmm. I don't, blows my mind. And I think that really just shows the very motivated reasoning they've had in a lot of these cases of wanting a, uh, result in this case the result they wanted was to make it okay to discriminate against gay Mm -hmm. people and they handpick cases out of nowhere literally (laughs) made them up even made up cases and you know they can achieve their result that way because they got a 6-3 majority this combination of rulings on these three different cases just continues to make me worried about what else they're going to do. Like if this was what they're starting with, I'm a little worried about what the next few years is going to look like. Um, I do think that it's really important to let your political representatives know that you disagree with that in any ways that you can mm-hmm. um, and to have those conversations with your families and to just support people in other ways as you can. Because I know sometimes looking at things like this, I at least can feel a little powerless. I feel like it's hard to help. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, these are these just these rulings we've talked about. There's been many more, but um, just these these three are quite impactful. Um, but I think it's just a uh, part of the pattern of just chipping away at mm-hmm. these rights. Um, like Roe v. Wade, that was something, you know, for so many years, um, if you were worried when Trump got elected um, or or anything, um, you were worried about Roe v. Wade being over overruled, people t- would tell you that you're overreacting. Like, that wouldn't happen. People like Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett got on uh, in front of Congress and testified that basically, I mean, they wouldn't say no, but pretty much like, why would we ever overturn Roe v. Mm-hmm. Wade? Come on. And then they did it. Um, and I think we see that in in the case of being able to <laughs> discriminate against gay people is just chipping away at it. And I think, honestly, in a few years, if they are unrestrained, they're going to overturn things like Obergefell um, which allows gay people to get married, things like that. And I think it's just this gradual, but not even that gradual, but a gradual process of chipping away. And then eventually when the conditions are right, overruling very important precedent cases, um, just exactly like happened with Roe v. Wade. And I think they're going to come for, for other major civil rights laws. Yeah. In the future. It also just makes this next election feel so much like there's so much more pressure on it. Like if we think things are bad now, imagine how much worse things would be if Trump got back into office. Like 
I, I, I don't know. It just feels a little bit like a ball rolling down a hill and just picking up momentum. It does. And then I wanted to discuss just one of the reasoning, uh, some of the reasoning used in the conservative majority's decision on this 303 creative case. Uh, they made a distinction about pure speech in, in their words. Um, and basically that is how they differ being able to discriminate against a gay person selling a website, how that is different from, you know, back in like the, the sixties, uh, when they made it illegal for a, for example, a white restaurant owner to deny a black person a table at his restaurant. Mm -hmm. And they, cause to me, that's the exact same situation mm -hmm. with the minority group swapped out. Um, but they made the distinction of pure speech, meaning um, somehow serving someone food at a restaurant is different and not considered pure speech, whereas making a website for someone um, who is gay is pure speech. Um, insane, um, makes no <laughs> real sense to me, and um, just kind of seems like it sets up the precedent that like the Supreme Court is now going to be able to decide what is discrimination and what is not um, based off of this made-up principle of pure speech. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, that just doesn't make any sense to me. I think that, again, citizens, no matter their color, their class, their economic status, economic status should have the same rights to any products or services as anyone else. So it, it's, just, it's just discrimination with... Uh, pretty bow on top so people don't realize i mean like you were saying it's just starting smaller and then gonna grow so yeah um and even uh so joe biden um after these recent rulings he called the court not a normal court and um that's a quote and he gave this speech um kind of uh dissing the supreme court but he didn't go as far as i liked honestly as i would have wanted um he also just in the last couple of days ruled out the possibility of adding Supreme Court justices to the court, um, which was really sad to me, especially considering how he just made that huge speech about that. And I'm just concerned, like you said, it's a ball rolling downhill. If if this there's no intervention in the next few years, I mean, we're going to be looking at a completely different legal landscape in mm -hmm. this country. Um and which also reshapes social norms in the country. I think, you know, when it's legal to discriminate against gay people, uh, it becomes not just legal, but more socially accepted. Exactly. And so, I mean, what are your thoughts on what uh, Joe Biden or anyone, what we can do about the Supreme Court? What should be done about the Supreme Court? Oh, goodness. I at this point, it's so hard because I feel like at this point, it's so messy um, looking at the actual political landscape of it all. But as like a citizen, I think that people should just, you know, be making as much noise as they can. Like I was saying, reach out to your representatives, let them know your stances on it. There are a lot of really great like scripts out there, even if you aren't someone who necessarily likes to talk on the phone. Um, going to any protests that you can, and then also just other resources. I think there are other good resources from people across the country um, that are out there for us to use. But it, it's, like we were kind of saying, it does, it feels unfortunately a little bit out of our hands. Um, totally. But, 
but yeah, just make as much noise as you can. And I think that, you know, having these conversations is a really good first step for someone who isn't necessarily comfortable inserting themselves into political situations. Totally. Yeah. And thank you for saying that. Um, Cause I was going to be a little more cynical, honestly, um, <laughs> because yeah, I mean, like you said, it doesn't feel out of our hands and that's, what's frustrating about it. Um, kind of like I mentioned at the top of the show, you can't just vote them out and they have for some reason, no term limits. Um, and that's, what's frustrating about the Supreme court is that they're kind of viewed as this like infallible, unquestionable, um, you know, high priests and priestesses that make all the laws of our country. Um, and you just got to hope. I don't know, they slowly die out to get any change. Um, And I just, I don't think we need to accept that notion. Um, I mean, we set up this democracy. We have the Supreme Court as a, I think a positive institution can be very positive, but if they're no longer serving the purposes of the people, Mm -hmm. no longer serving the function in society that we put them there to do, I think we can, we can change that. We can question that. Um, And, you know, the rebuttal I hear is, uh, well, they're supposed to be one apolitical, which we've already talked about is nonsense. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they're, they're not supposed to be popular. And to some degree, I, I understand that. And that makes sense. Um, you know, they're not supposed to make their decision on what is the most popular decision, which is kind of a nice thing about the courts. Um, you can't hold them accountable, but they can make decisions that aren't tied to getting reelected, which can have its advantages. But I think we have the the power to cause a stink and, and change it if the people like Joe Biden or whoever is next um, mm-hmm. throw some balls. Honestly. <laughs> I also I just it makes me think you saying that they're supposed to be apolitical and you know kind of looking at the facts of situations and not necessarily always voting on what is going to be most popular. But looking at the court that sits today, the very obvious bias that they have, or even just one of the cases that we were talking about, how it's completely based on religion instead of facts. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not here to disrespect anybody's religion, but I think that their bias shows very heavily in those few cases. Yeah. I mean, the the theocratic leanings of, of the current Supreme Court are very obvious. Um, and, you know, of course, like you said, we were always respect everyone's uh, opinions to have their own, you know, religion, whatever. Um, but even like Joe Biden said this in regards to abortion, like I'm a Catholic. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of abortion, but my personal religious beliefs and interpretation of religious texts shouldn't be the law of the land, Exactly. which is something that a lot of people fail to understand. Um, and you know, a lot of the decisions, um, from the Supreme court, um, in this term and in previous terms have been regarding religious liberty, um, which is a concept that is a bit Orwellian because it tends to mean the opposite in the way it's used. Um, religious liberty, typically has very little to do with people being restricted from practicing their religion how they want and more about uh, the majority, typically mm-hmm. Christians, um, deciding that they can impinge on the rights of others um, because their religion says that's okay. Um, and so in reality, most of the time you hear that term, they're talking about restricting the freedoms of others, not expanding the freedoms of people. Um, and 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to say? No, I, yeah, I feel like that sums it up. I think that we shared the similar frustrations, but I think that an important note to make is though this can feel very frustrating and though it can feel a little bit out of our hands, it's so important to do what you can. And like I was saying, to just make a little bit of noise. Otherwise, otherwise they'll just keep going um, about it without any pushback. And we can't let that happen either. Agreed. And um, I also did want to mention, on a more positive note, and I don't want to step on your toes or steal <laughs> no, your No, it's a good segue. Go ahead. <laughs> with doing the, the positive stories. But there have been some rather encouraging stories from this current uh, Supreme Court's most recent term. Um, one was Moore v. Harper being rejected outright, which is fantastic. It's alarming that it even made it that far. Um, but basically that was the this independent slate led state legislative theory um, where states could decide that they want to submit their own slate of electors and essentially overrule the voters, um, which we saw attempted in uh, the most recent presidential election. It failed. Um, but it is this theory that's been growing on the fascist right. And it's a terrifying theory that I don't know how so many people buy into it. Um, so it was encouraging to see them rule that unconstitutional, um, even though that's very basic stuff you would think would never even be considered. But I think it honestly avoids a constitutional emergency, constitutional crisis. Um, and the other one that was positive, and I think, did you talk about the Indian Child Welfare Act? Yeah, so that was another recent ruling that was a 7-2 ruling upholding the Indian Child Welfare Act, which is a law from 1978, um, which basically makes it so uh, Native American children that get placed in foster care or put up for adoption are um, supposed to be put with people from uh, with native people, people that have a connection to their tribe, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to just people that don't have any sort of connection to their tribe or um, Native American tribes in general. Um, and this was made in 1978, like I said, in response to decades of abuse by the government, um, where in many cases they would take the, the children by force um, and put them in homes uh, with families not at all familiar with their culture, with their upbringing, and that just made them very vulnerable um, to abuse. So it was very encouraging to see that they want to uphold the, the rights for um, native children to be put with people from their background. Um, so those were two rulings that um, were good this court, but overall the general trend of the Supreme Court's rulings this term have been predictably horrible and <laughs> um, really rolling back uh, the timeline of societal progress in this country. Yeah. Let's just kind of jump into um, the official little good news segment here. Um, Playing off of one of those cases that we just discussed here, um, Biden had unveiled new details on a plan B for student loan forgiveness. Um, it's not necessarily um, the same or um, as impactful, but I think that be, given the situation at hand, so Biden had discussed having kind of like that temporary on-ramp on to help people who necessarily couldn't make their payments within the first 12 months of their repayment program um, starting back up again. And so that is kind of a good 
thing, you know, you won't be, from my understanding, you won't be sent to like debt collections um, or be charged extra fees for making payments late just for that first 12 months, just to help people kind of get used to making those payments again. I think that will be um, helpful. So, and then the last bit of good news I pulled for us here is the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act went into effect. So that went into effect. Um, and that new law requires employers to provide reasonable accommodations to um, workers that will have any sort of limitations due to their pregnancy um, or giving childbirth, which is wild to me that wasn't in place before this. <laughs> but I think that that's pretty cool to see. Um, yeah. Yeah. But even in the midst of some a bad news week, there's still some good news out there, which is <laughs> good to see. Totally. <laughs> And that about wraps it up for episode three of America's Hot Gossip. Please join us for the next episode. And uh, if you're not already, subscribe, follow us. Uh, Thank you so much for joining. And we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.